I guess I'll, I'll do the, the kind of cheesy intro bit. Oh, I can't wait to uh, hear it. In the, <laughs> oh, in the flesh, but not in the flesh, which is weird. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. in a virtual flesh. Okay, ready? to another episode of the Swipe Tower podcast. Actually, it's a bit of a different episode this week because as still we're in this lockdown time, we've got to do things a bit differently. And normally I'd love to be sitting here with someone having a nice chat and chewing the fat as it were, and maybe with a glass of wine or 10, but we're having to do things remotely. So this week I've actually managed to dial in a very special guest indeed. I've managed to get with me one of the top dating, not just kind of matchmakers and kind of dating, I won't say guru, because that's always a frowned upon word, even though it's kind of true, but someone who's an absolute expert in a field and has been so for many years and has helped people connect and find love from around the world. I'm here with Sarah Louise Ryan. Hiya, Sarah. Hello, hello, hello! What an intro! I don't, I don't know if I can live up to that in the in the content, but let's hope so. And um, glass of wine of ten. It's a bit of a shame that we can, we can't be sipping ten glasses together. But hey ho, here we are. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. No, thanks for coming on. It's it's just wonderful, firstly, to hear another human voice. To be absolutely truthful, let alone one as mellifluous. Is it mellifluous as yours? Uh, so eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how are you? How are you finding this whole lockdown time in just in general? Now I'm not even talking about dating. Um, in general, I I think like most have had had my up days and had my down days, and I think just kind of finding ourselves on an even keel with it all is is quite tricky to navigate, isn't it? And I've I've kept myself really busy, and I think we really learn about ourselves in this time. And what I've learned about myself is that, you know, you've got your flight and flight and then you've got freeze. And I think in a, in a panic, in a, a global crisis, um, I found that I just kept myself so busy that at one point I almost experienced burnout. Well, in lockdown? <laughs> yeah. How on earth have you managed that? Most people have just vegged out. They've turned into pure couch potatoes. And I, I, I know. I, I almost struggle to get the words out of my mouth because it feels kind of like a humble brag almost, doesn't it? You know, and <laughs> um, I think I was just trying to cope with, you know, keeping everything that I'm so passionate about alive, as well as also pretending that everything was okay um, and trying to create a new normal at home. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'll do a bit of DIY and then I'll still run the business 12 hours a day. And then I'll, you know, pretend I'm Gordon Ramsay and create some wonderful dishes. And then I'll, and then I'll do the garden. And I literally was cram packing my days so much that I felt exhausted. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I've got my health and I do have time if I choose to create and make time, but actually I'm choosing not to. And it was very telling of how, I personally react and act in, um, I guess, a global pandemic and crisis. <laughs> you know, any any kind of crisis. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I like I like to do things, I like to create to do lists and, and tick them off. But I guess what I've learned is that it's okay not to be busy, and you can allow yourself the time to adjust to what is 
completely surreal and unusual and when hopefully fingers crossed you know we'll never have this amount of time created again um so I'm I'm trying to find the the light in it and embrace the the time to learn and to read and to hopefully not binge Netflix Oh, what's wrong with binge? I love a good Netflix binge. It, I, if it wasn't for this, I'm not entirely sure I'd have managed to get through Tiger King in just two nights. And well, <laughs> that is the thing. There is so much good uh, content out there for us to digest, but I often worry that you know consuming so much is an escapism from our own thoughts and accepting what is. And I because I identify with that you know coaching clients who go through breakups and divorce they've consumed so much social media and so much um television as a way of escapism Mm -hmm. and just understanding that I kind of thought okay I want to kind of be present and in the now and accepting it rather than escaping it also, I have watched a, a great few series myself. <laughs> but what's your, what's your I, I, recommendations on, on Netflix, even though you're not a, a pure Netflix binger? Okay, Ozark. Really enjoyed Ozark. Have you seen that? It's good. It's, I've heard I've heard really good things about it, but never it's never just jumped out of the page at me. Um, I watched Ozark. I also watched Unorthodox. I have also started Normal People. But I don't know if that's on Netflix. Is it Netflix? No, I don't think it is. Oh, there's about um, a thousand streaming services at the moment. I know. What's your favourite? Um, well, I did watch the entire series of Gangs of London, uh, which I'm not going to give too many spoilers away, but the, the end of it, it felt like that should have been the end of series three or four. I mean, it, it escalated quickly. Uh, it's good if you like hyper violence and that sort of thing. Mm. So it was, it was there were some brilliant scenes in it. I got to say. So, um, but I did. I have learned that I do when I eventually do find whoever uh, my uh, love of my life is. She's got to be happy to do a good binge watch. I can't be dating someone who who can't go more than one episode a night. I, I no. I need to really be able to test the depth of my binge watching waters with both feet. Do you put that on your online dating profiles? Must be able to consume more than two episodes of a binge-worthy series. I haven't yet. I might have to do that. Um, I've only just started updating all my profiles after going through a bit of a breakup in 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 lockdown. So that wasn't particularly easy. So I've only just started getting back out and swiping and starting to think about what comes next. And yeah, I've got to re redo my profiles. And have you found the time where you? have been going through the breakup in lockdown that you've really been able to kind of like you know work through the the feelings of it really like be present with it because we often especially in big cities London Manchester Birmingham wherever you are or even it doesn't matter where you are if you're not in a big city we we kind of keep ourselves super busy when it comes to things that are a bit tricky to navigate and have you found it being quite an interesting time to just sit with you know how you feel about it all yeah, because my normal reaction when I do break up with someone is a, it's a frustratingly regular affair. Um, but when I break up with someone, you do what you just said. You go out, you distract yourself, you see your friends, you go to pubs and clubs and parties and restaurants, and you just get out. And if nothing else, you swipe left and right and arrange dates. And of course, none of that is possible. So you're stuck indoors by yourself. Now, I'm lucky enough, as regular listeners will know, 
uh, and people who follow me on Twitter. By the way, I'm a dating dad on Twitter. Um, come and say hello. It'd be lovely to see you. And uh, if I'm uh, with my kids, that's half the time. So every other week, I've got them in my life, got them here and busy, busy, busy and trying to fit in work and trying to balance all that rubbish out. And then the other half of my time, I'm by myself. So from the morning, I, the second I wake up in the morning through to going to bed, probably not going to see another person. In fact, some days I don't even unlock the front door. It's, I've got nowhere to go, nowhere to be. And now you've got nothing else to do other than do your work, then sit down on the sofa and think, well, OK, well, what next? And like I say, normally I'd go out and distract myself and party and all that. And so instead, I've just been sometimes enjoying a glass or a ten of wine, uh, sat on a sofa by myself with a box set. Sometimes I've literally just listened to music. I've just uh, recently bought a, a record player. And I tell you what, it's so different putting on a vinyl record. You actually listen to it as opposed to just sticking on a playlist on Spotify and, and hoping that nice things come on. That is really nice. It's almost like you're, when you put a vinyl on, you're like physically creating that space and sitting and hearing the crackling. I could just imagine it. It's just such a nice thing to do. I can I can imagine you doing that on a Sunday, Sunday morning, something like that. Very nice. Yeah, is that, that's kind of what I've spent a fair amount of my time doing. Um, but I know there have been a lot of people who have been spending every few nights going out and doing some virtual speed dating and things like that. And of course, the world of matchmaking and dating is kind of where you made your name and reputation. It's, this isn't your first month of operation, is it? You've been in, in kind of the matchmaking world for quite some time. Yeah, it's um, it's coming on to my 10th year now. Have you actually got an anniversary so we can send you cards? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, say that again. Have you actually got like a, a, a business anniversary of your first clients? So I can send you an anniversary card. Do you know what? I think I can try and find it and I would love that. I will I'll put it in a little frame. Very, very delightful. Um, I don't know when it is, but it's coming up sometime, I think um, August, I want to say. I'm not sure. I will check. Um, yes, yeah, so ten, 10 years now. So it's definitely not my first rodeo month of matchmaking <laughs> that's for sure um yeah it just started off in uh mayfair when i was actually working in um head office for jamie oliver at the time i was fresh out of of uni i was doing um coordinating a bit of marketing um, did, did you ever meet the uh, the marketing wonder yeah exactly did i did and i I just realised I wanted to do something else, something more, something more people orientated. It wasn't my industry. It was from marketing background. And whilst that was, you know, I guess fitting and heading in, in that direction, it just wasn't for me. And so I guess when Google Ads did those tiny little thumbnails in the right hand corner of your screen, if you remember, I remember <laughs> seeing yeah. an ad for a junior matchmaker in Mayfair. Uh, probably on my lunch break or something and I was like oh I could give that a go what is it like online dating don't really know so um yeah I got in touch with them and I ended up having like a six hour interview you know in my early 20s about running around London and you know with a little black book so to speak in those days it wasn't very techy it was definitely uh offline traditional matchmaking and uh, connecting those who were time poor, didn't want to create online profiles, perhaps they couldn't because of their 
profession and the kind of clients they kept, you know, like doctors, lawyers, solicitors. And so it was just a really surreal, uh, exciting experience. And I worked in, in Mayfair for a handful of years and then I moved to New York um, running a global matchmaking company for a while and we had 25 matchmakers all over the world so I was training matchmakers how to uh, look after their clients, growing the business and then after that I took a break to start my own business in my mid to late 20s and I just started coaching those looking for love and and I built Love Lessons which is um, a brand that basically is going to it's going to turn into something greater than it is right now actually it's going to turn yeah, into it's exciting. yeah a love hub of uh, dating coaches and experts um so anyone can tap into a dating expert in their area or in their city uh who they resonate with and you know not everyone identifies with the same person so yep uh, love lessons have been running for a while now and due to uh i guess a lot of positive turnarounds in mindsets from clients and i've got a matchmaking background lots of people were asking for matchmaking and so love connections was born and i also consult um multiple businesses in the dating industry uh who want to uh, sell their services to clients, really help connect those via matchmaking events and coaching. So um, I'm a consultant uh, for lots of businesses and about to enter into some NED roles for startups who are scaling up um, and I've consulted for them. So it's really an exciting time. And I guess my motto has always been, if you put your passion first, then profitability will follow thereafter. And I guess it's been the same during this time. And actually probably why I've led to a bit of burnout because I've just kept myself so busy and following I guess my motto and it's it's working really well and people are still taking the time to really work on themselves probably more so now and um, people are still interested in connecting um, despite the fact that I you know describe myself as a leader in love offline uh, I, I guess we're kind of helping people offline but connecting them online in this in this surreal space and time but it's still I mean the, there's never, although I have heard of some um, socially distanced day, dates which have taken place so yeah it, yeah <laughs> yeah, in fact, I was I was uh, in the queue at Tesco recently, and and somehow, very very randomly, one of the, one of the people who follow me on Twitter, hi Bam, good to good to good to have met you in person in the flesh. I just turned around because she was standing in front of me in the queue and just recognised me, and she was telling me how she'd actually been on a socially distanced date, like walking next to someone a couple of meters apart from them, but they'd been chatting online for a while, and they finally got the chance to meet face to face. How exciting. And what did she say? How did it go? I think there may be a second date on the cards, but I also mm -hmm. think that she's got her friends doing some deep diving in terms of his social media history, because as regulars as know, women love a good stalk to find out what the uh, the background of people are. You, you must have had some clients and some people in the past, though, that you've kind of looked at and thought, I'm going to struggle to find this one a match. You know what? Really interesting i'll answer what you just asked me in a moment but before i forget the the dating dance that people do where they stalk people and you know play private <laughs> private detective before they go <laughs> a digital date or an offline date or wherever you want to um or, or can i suppose in this time um 
we we've tried our best to eradicate it because it's something that is a massive bugbear of mine I guess personally and professionally because people really they see what they want to see in information they also you know they are they have selective seeing and you know um very limited understanding of of others when they're stalking them in their social media profiles or on LinkedIn or wherever they choose to do their deep dive on the person they'd like to meet. So we've kind of um, been really conscious of that, the confidentiality for one, and two, to eradicate that because modern dating is becoming a greater minefield than it ever was before because the amount of information that's out there in the digital footprint. So we've actually been coordinating the dates for everybody. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is when we don't create profiles where you can take a a look like you would on an app and, you know, have a visual and then decide yes or decline. We haven't really given that option. We've got to know people and their values, their wants and their interests and their end goals for a relationship. And then we're connecting them by... um, giving them Skype addresses at a time that they agree they can go on a date and we connect them with that and they, they often don't have first and last names they're just a bunch of numbers put together and then we say why we thought that they would be a good connection we, we try not to say match because we actually doesn't it doesn't feel comfortable for us it's not in our ethos because we don't think we should decide if you are a match we think you you should decide so yeah we've literally eradicated that stalking and dating dance as as much as we possibly can um and I think it's it's something that we need to do less of even though I understand that people also do it for safety reasons but 90% of the time it's not really for safety it's about (laughs) it's about wanting to know and everything about the person before you meet them and prejudging them more often than not um so actually I said I'd answer your question I've forgotten it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was it was just about you must have seen some people that have approached you to help them connect with other people and thought this is going to be a bloody tough sell I mean not not just in terms of I don't know the way they look or something but there'll be loads of different aspects about some people that make them slightly less conventionally attractive to the opposite gender that's a, a toughie but an interesting one I would say that if you um so every every single person that gets connected by love connections has an interview and that's because we want to see that because we're offering free services at the moment we want to see that people are emotionally invested in us and the process they're not wasting our time or other people's time in this I guess in this space where people are really the most authentic selves and some people feeling quite vulnerable, you know, feeling up and down. We really want good, decent, genuine singles that want to connect. So we insist on a 15, 20 minute conversation to get to know each person and also using it as a time to kind of pre-vet them before we connect them and um, see that their interests in, in connecting with singles are genuine. So, in those in those interviews, we have seen people um, chatting to us from their bed. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I just think, okay, so I'm a matchmaker, and I want to find you, hopefully, the love of your life. And I'm putting my 
resources, financial and otherwise, into this free service to make this happen for you. And if you rock up to your interview with a matchmaker who's volunteering time and resources to make, you know, this connection happen, how can you not um, get out of bed to have a conversation with me? I understand that some people do have a lot going on in their headspace in this time. And so there is there is um, a case for, you know, being forgiving somewhat, but, you know, it's also a double, <laughs> kind of a double-edged sword because I want to invest in this in the service for you with the team. And if you can't invest in us in the same way we think that you'll rock up to your date the same. So there have been people who haven't made an effort and we we've tried not to um, pursue it as much as we would have with people who've really shown up with the best version of themselves couldn't wait to tell us about themselves, couldn't wait to explain explain and explore more about the kind of person they would like to meet, um, you know, and have been so kind to spread the word to other people. We've come across some absolutely exceptional uh, people who generally are quite do-gooders and have a community spirit anyway, whether it's locally or nationwide or globally. So there are a handful who have not ruined it for everyone else but probably for themselves um and i'd say 80 percent or 90 percent of uh the rest of the connections community have just really put their best foot forward so it's been really exciting to see that's really interesting about the whole free thing though because i mean this is something that's happened in the last uh, week or so guardian soulmates obviously have shut their doors they're going to be shutting down at the end of june and that was one of these dating apps where it wasn't free. You had to pay your subscriptions and so on. And and apparently, I, I wasn't part of it, sadly, but I've heard nothing but good things from the people who were taking part in it because the payment element basically filtered out all the time wasters. And that's always one of those kind of frustrations about some of the free sites is there's no recruitment, there's no kind of comeback if they muck around or mess people about. Whereas if you're paying money for a service, you, you kind of value it more. And so it's interesting that, that you're still managing to get that same response, even though you're offering at the moment something that doesn't cost a penny. I I totally hear what you're saying. And it's a, it's a sad week in the dating industry when you hear of an old favourite not being able to pull through. And I know that they do, they have had um, a payment model to keep, I guess, the business element of things afloat. However, my understanding is that 40,000 people were free subscribers. And if you think about um, that, they probably don't have a structure in place at all. Perhaps they didn't want to saturate their users with advertising. Perhaps that just wasn't in their ethos, in their value system, which is my understanding of Guardian Soulmates. They've always had really good intentions. But I think when you take on a weight of 40,000 singles looking for love and, and you're not charging them a penny and you still have to have obviously all the security, the data protection, the overheads of the technology um, and systems to, to look after the weight of, of that amount of people. If they're not charging everyone and they have that amount of people for free, then it's just not sustainable long term unless they worked on an advertising model. I mean, I'm no expert in the online space. I, I always, you know, describe being myself and the team being leaders in love offline, but I do understand that, you know, whilst we want to do good, we also do have to charge for our services. 
Um, you asked about quality of people coming through and how invested they are in a free service. Well, I think we have created a few barriers to entry, if I may, <laughs> um, <laughs> for, the, for the time wasters. And there are only two people in the whole mission that come to mind that have um, not conducting them, themselves in the way that I would have liked or the team would have liked. Um, but, oh, was one of them me? Uh, no, uh, one of one of the one person didn't show up to their date, um, and one person <laughs> turned up really drunk or something like that, which <laughs> could be fun if you have that kind of sense of humour. But if you if you don't, it's it's equally probably not funny or fun. So um, there were only two people out of all of those hundreds of applicants who kind of ruined it again for themselves, but. I'll take that in the whole of the mission. So we um, had people do the kind of, not too lengthy, but do little application, um, then have an interview with a matchmaker. Those people that want to waste other singles time, uh, whether it's on those apps where they can just in their pajamas having a, you know, a, a beer or a cup of tea, just swiping left, right, up and down to get uh, their hit of serotonin. They, they weren't coming to us because they had to have an interview with one of us to get to mm -hmm. know them better. And I think that eradicates time wasters because we're really saying, why are you here? Who do you want to meet? Uh, tell me about your values. And actually, most people had really thought about it and brought it to the table before their meeting. And then we're going away and then meeting other people who could be a good fit for them and connecting them. So I think there were there were a few steps of the way where we were also checking people out on there. I guess we were doing the legwork of stalking, yeah. and you know some people were really aware of that. And um, but appreciate it in our in our paid for services, we go even further than that and do more checks that I won't get into. But formally, we check people's uh, proof of age and proof of person with um, identi identification, and we also check people live where they say they live because obviously lots of things go on in the world of online dating that we try to safeguard people from and it's what what they pay for we weren't able to do that during the mission because there were too many applicants however um we will resume once uh paid for services resume so yeah people were really invested and people had some really great dates which is equally as exciting mm. see your normal stuff sounds really premium now i know my only experience of uh, pre-lockdown matchmaking and it wasn't even I didn't actually do it because I got uh, invited in by one of the services and they wanted me to pay I think it was about two and a half thousand pounds for them mm. to set up uh, three dates now as much as you know I, I'm not the poorest person in the world that seemed like a bit steep for me but I didn't see that any of the extra value that it sounds like you you put a lot of extra work in it's not just well let me do some swiping for you yeah, I guess um, my background is I've always worked um, very niche. And what I mean by that is people that have had really specific wants, perhaps based on lifestyle or culture, cultural background or religion. And so I am very lucky to have had the experience in the dating industry of working with people who, um, I guess, have weight of expectation for themselves and also from their, from their peers, from their family, um, for what they want in their life so I'm used to having tough uh, searches so to speak gosh that's probably not the right word uh, <laughs> specific searches in mind so 
we we do charge what I deem to be a lot to our services. Um, however, we work on a globalized scale. So we often work with people who say live between three countries, uh, have a you know a job that requires them to do that, and so they would be looking for a partner who could be that flexible. So we only ever work with five to six clients at a time and we headhunt specifically for love for them. Um, so we are, again, still quite niche, however, not always specifically working with culture or religion, but more lifestyle and uh, pressures on their professional life. So, I'm guessing um, few of those work in Weatherspoons. Um, no, and I definitely wouldn't help the owner of Weatherspoons either. So <laughs> <laughs> swiftly moving on. <laughs> but it, sounds, it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong here, uh, the way I kind of describe your, for want of a better phrase, operation, is a bit like the team from Celebs Go Dating, just without the celebrities. You're offering uh, one-to-one support. You've got this network of, of incredible people that you're trying to connect up. And you do a lot of kind of setting up of one-to-one dates. And from what it sounds like you're doing next, you're also starting to dip into doing some more event type stuff, more group type things. Well, do you know, I have uh, run hundreds, probably thousands of events over the 10 years. And, you know, I have specialised in off uh, offline events because, oh my gosh, it seems weird to say that. So specifically have to tell you offline events <laughs> uh, in this time. And, um, you know, like supper clubs. And um, I have a venture called The Staycation, which uh, takes singles away on holidays. I uh, love the staycations, by the way. I absolutely adore them. They're so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always always tried to be innovative with what we do offline to create experiences for singles to connect, to lower the pressure on, I guess, you know, the idea of finding a partner and really just allow people to be their most authentic selves, having fun and always be mindful of, you know, bringing groups of people together who have similar, um, you know, interests and commonality, probably, um, you know, conversationists. But I think, I think if I resonate with somebody and I, then, then I can find someone that they resonate with to connect with and the team that I surround myself with are you know similar in values as well so we we were always about putting the people and the community and experiences first and then working on the business model thereafter and it's always really worked out and what I would say about events for love connections it's not actually a space that I plan to fully delve into and um, coaching and connections as in matchmaking has been really the focus of the business's 2020 goals as well as helping other startups scale up as I always say in the dating industry however just seeing how this community has come together singles wanting to connect and the people that I've met it's really pulled us to want to keep keep them connected and if you know if, if Boris Johnson had said to us a couple of weeks ago okay we'll be let off back out into the wild in in the next couple of weeks we probably wouldn't have thought about online events or uh, pursued it so much but it just feels like we'll be in this for a little while longer to come as much as some people probably don't want to hear me say that and so we're doing our bit and we're only asking people to pay it forward in charitable donations for now um, to uh, to charities and things like that and just 
the kind of people it attracts by doing and creating initiatives like that is more than enough for us because I know that once we have a community who are really serious and really trust us and really feel like that they're in safe hands connecting then I know that when we relaunch our paid services that we'll have a really dedicated community there open to different initiatives and interesting things we're also looking at doing um something called conscious uh conscious connections which is uh bringing philanthropic singles together uh again not over pressurized dating where they just talk about themselves but talking you know the pressure of having to talk about yourself so many people you know feel the weight of that but to be able to talk about or do something good for others such as like cooking for the homeless and and things like that so we're we're really going to be delving into into that space but it's not something we plan but it's something that we're organically shifting into I guess talking about organically um, I'm going to be buying some organic uh, produce to be able to stick into some cocktails later this week you you've one of the kind of <laughs> online events you're, you're doing is actually connecting some people over over a bit of booze so it's not quite as philanthropic but it certainly is a bit tasty yeah um so when we thought about doing uh connections come dine with me we thought one of one of the biggest kind of troubleshooting things was that you know we've already we're matching a group of people who have similar interests and you know uh conversational um oh gosh I've lost my train of thought uh common thoughts and and trails of conversation you know creatives or people that are quite you know high in their position and in in their career and they really establish themselves and they're really comfortable in their own skin that seems to be the group of people that we have brought together for this Thursday's cocktail evening and the reason we moved into connected um uh what do we call it connections cocktail evening is because we thought having uh you know 20 people cook at the same time and then dine it's just someone's going to burn something there's going to be you know some people's timing will be off yeah Yeah, I just thought of all those ovens opening closing and you know all the clatter and I was like no it's too complicated it really takes away from what we're doing in the sense that we want people to connect with each other they can cook whenever they like um, and make as much noise at home as they like and so we decided to just do a cocktail hour or two and we will send people out on private dates. So I think the group of people um, this Thursday might have like six or seven dates, like five minutes at a time. And we, we don't pretend to be experts in the in the event space, we, but we are, you know, really conscious of connecting people. So cocktails it is. Um, the person that we're collaborat- co- collaborating with is Shona from So Foodie. Um, she cross paths with us during mission matchmaking and is really an advocate for what we do and we're an advocate for what she does so when it was mentioned that we'll be moving into the uh, cocktails and come down with me space she was all for it and we've got her on board as the mixologist for the evening and she has just sent through her menu for what she would like people to bring as an option. I'm keen to know more about (laughs) it. What's your your own personal cocktail go-to of choice? Oh, I've got got a handful, actually. Um, I love an Aperol. 
Um, you uh, say yeah. cocktail, but I, I drink a lot of hard booze. I love I love a whiskey. You see, um, it's a cocktail. Probably be like a Cur Royale. Um, I like a Negroni from time to time, but probably an Aperol is my go-to. Well, it's not. It's not an unacceptable one. At least you didn't say WKD forty or something. <laughs> oh, do you know what? When you said WKD, I was thinking about that thing that um, you know, when your your door, your hinges are a bit. WKD forty. Yeah, WKD forty. It's a local one that I think may have only just been something that me and friends used to make. It's uh, a bottle of WKD with uh, two shots of twenty twenty in it. So you know, it it kind of it it tastes. As disgusting as it sounds, but it was it was massive back in the late nineties. What um what's your go to cocktail? Ah, oh, see, I I'm I, it depends in obviously entirely on venue, but if it's like a cool jazz bar or something like that, I'll go for an old fashioned. I love an old fashioned. Uh, outside of that, if I'm outdoors, if there's a pina colada on offer, I'm always gonna have that. That is the drink of the gods. Pina colada. I mean. An old fashioned with a bullet bourbon is incredible. I hear yeah. you when you say old fashioned, but for me, I'm kind of like you know, some people drink rose in the summer. I'm like that. I move around with my cocktail, so it would be an old fashioned in the winter, aperol in the summer, like with rose in the summer and red in the winter. Um, interesting. So let's see what uh, So Foodie has come up with, and uh, we'll be sharing that very soon over on Love Connections. How exciting! I was going to say, if if people do want to get in touch, because obviously the the initial kind of matchmaking mission is kind of certainly the first junk that has drawn to an end. But if people did want to get in touch with you to know more about that, to know more about uh, the cocktail stuff, to know more about anything you do, how would they get through to you? Um, they can find me at loveconnectionsglobal.com or sarahlouiseryan.com, lovelessonsglobal.com. I don't know <laughs> any of the above. <laughs> and yeah. on the social, you're definitely on Twitter and things like Instagram and so on. Oh, yes. I mean, gosh, you're, you're so tech savvy that I didn't think to say, oh, yes, just contact me in person on twitter or something yeah I, i'm i'm on the the twitter um i've been making more of an effort with the twitter recently um i think it's at dating sarah lou dating sarah lou, and also on instagram as well i know you put a, a fair bit of content on there and facebook as well so if they yeah. search for for love lessons or, or your name then they'll get through to you Exactly. Perfect. Uh, do that. And I look forward to it. Sorry, I'm not so techie, but I will get back to you when I figure out where all the messages are. <laughs> Anyone wants to and they can't find you, come and talk to me and I'll point you in the right direction. It's a dating dad on Twitter and just dating dad on Instagram. And I'll hopefully have you on another one of these shows fairly soon. Oh, I would absolutely adore that. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolute treat. And I hope I didn't chew the fat too much on matchmaking. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I'd love to have you on one day to uh, kind of have your thoughts on what makes the perfect kind of, I won't say dating profile for swiping, but the what, what makes someone interesting to a matchmaker? Because there will be some people out there who are thinking, you know what, I'd like to be on their radar if nothing else. Oh my goodness. I could talk for England on that and I would be delighted to share my thoughts. <laughs> Let's do that on a future episode. So all that remains to be said 
is thanks for listening and stay, get in touch. Stay in touch. Tell your friends. Leave me a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if nothing else, then hopefully we'll see you next time. Insert exit music here. That's it. Oh my goodness, where did the time go? You just let me talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs>